Hello and welcome to Core Values, the All Things Broken Arrow Public Schools podcast. I'm your host, Greg Spencer, and with me today, we have a special guest host, a couple of them actually. We've had to bring some arms out of the bullpen to fill in for Mr. Chuck Perry, who's out sick today. We've got Rosalind Van Jackson and Chase Elkins. How are you guys doing today? Well, thank you. I'm doing, doing great. great. Yep. Appreciate it. And our special guest on the show today, we're really glad to have him, is Broken Arrow City Manager Michael Spurgeon. Michael, how's it going? I'm doing wonderful. I was, I've been excited, actually. I was up early getting ready for today's podcast because there isn't any other place I want to be right now is to talk about the great things going on in our city and specifically how great of a partnership we have with Broken Arrow Public Schools. Absolutely. And we've got something really exciting to talk about. I know you've been a lot of different places talking about it here recently, but before we dive into that, we want to get to know you just a little bit. So talk a little bit about your role in the city and really how you came to to be in Broken Arrow, because I know you originally from Miami, Oklahoma. So that's how we originally met. But talk a little bit of how you ended up in BA and what you do for the city of Broken Arrow. Well, I've been privileged, I would say, and very blessed to have been in municipal management for it'll be 36 years in March of this year. And I started when I was 24 in a small community after I got out of the Army in New Jersey. And then my my career has progressed. And I did have the pleasure of actually coming home, so to speak, and to be the city manager of Miami for one month short of 10 years. And I've wanted the Broken Arrow city manager job really goes back to 2003 because I've had relatives in Broken Arrow, relatives in Tulsa. And I could see back then the possibilities that existed for, for Broken Arrow. I didn't get the position when I applied for it, and it's probably the best thing that ever happened. And it gave me an opportunity to go to St. Charles, Missouri, to be the city administrator for about eight years, and about two years before That's I— That's St. Louis area suburb, right? Largest yeah. uh, suburb in, in the St. Louis area, just like T- Broken Air yeah. is the largest in Tulsa. About, I would say about a year, year and a half bef- um, before I actually got the job, I was told that the position was open, and I just prayed about it, and I realized that— I did have this opportunity, and I was blessed with the council to be selected, and I just passed uh, eight years this past September, and uh, couldn't be happier with all that's going going on in our community. And my role as city manager specifically is that I'm, a, I'm appointed by the city council, and I serve an indefin- indefinite term. Um, I, I basically run the day-to-day operations as, as a typical uh, chief executive officer would. The council serves as a legislative branch, and the city manager serves as the executive branch, and my responsibility is to oversee the day-to-day operations of the entire municipality. So all the department directors work for me, and then they're part of a leadership team, just like uh, Superintendent Perry has his, his uh, cabinet, and we're responsible for the day-to-day operations from snow plowing to police, fire, and I've got some incredibly talented folks that uh, make it a lot easier for me. But, you know, my responsibility uh, in this position is about responsibility. It's about making sure things get done. And that's always been my focus for 36 years, doing everything that I can to make the quality of life better for citizens. And pretty proud of what's happening right now, Broken Arrow. Absolutely. I know you guys feel free to jump in if you have any questions or or statements for Michael, but obviously, I mean, you guys have done a tremendous job. I think, you know, this is my 10th year back here in Broken Arrow and to see you know, I could kind of see the growth of the of the of the town and the district when I first came here, and that's what appealed to me uh, about coming back. But to kind of see where we are now is just incredible. I can definitely attest to the the leadership that you have um, at the city with Kenny Schwab. I work very closely with him; amazing man, and he does a really good job. And he has a heart after Broken Arrow. He's Broken Arrow grad and uh, Jennifer Rush, who's worked diligently, I believe, on the project that we're going to discuss today. Uh, just a wealth of knowledge, and I'm privileged to work with each and every one of them every day. 
Absolutely. So before we kind of dive into it, Chase, you know, you're a guy that knows a lot about this project as well, because not only uh, with your role here at Broken Arrow Public Schools, you're also known as kind of the, the Mr. B.A. buzz. So you know a little <laughs> bit about it. Why don't you kind of introduce this project that we're going to talk about today? Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's a pleasure to be here, an exciting project for Broken Arrow. And um, as you mentioned, uh, you, you know, I, I, I do know a lot of what's going on in our community. Uh, but but Michael and I actually had a chance to sit down several years ago. I mean, it's probably back 2018 uh, when we sat down and I, I brought three things to him that I'd like to see in Broken Arrow as a resident and, and a music guy. too. And, and a music guy. Yeah. I, I, I told Michael in order to continue to grow the city, I see youth sports as being one of the things that makes a vibrant community because we know people come into our community and they fill the hotel rooms and eat in our restaurants. Uh, number two, we talked about daytime jobs and, and quality employment opportunities for our residents. Uh, but the third thing I talked about was a live music venue. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, we, and we talked about what that could look like because we want to attract the younger generation and, and keep them here. And so I'm excited to talk about the amphitheater uh, at the events park because that's just another, another tool that we've got in our community to keep our young, younger generation here in our, our city. You know, and as we dive into this, the main reason that we're talking about on this particular podcast is because the land that was chosen for this project is right near Rosewood Elementary, which is the newest school in our district. Michael, why don't you give us a brief introduction on this project and kind of how this particular spot came to be chosen? Oh, absolutely. I'm mean, just going to follow up real quick on, on Chase. Chase and I did have that meeting, and he, you know, he truly believes in this community and wants yeah. to see it, the quality of life uh, better for each and every person, not just... Uh, those that are here now, but also to be prepared for the growth in the future, whether it's residential, whether it's commercial, retail, industrial, advanced manufacturing. I mean, I know, I know it's hard. And as far as, uh, you know, Rosalind mentioned, I wanted to tell everybody that I found out right before Christmas that according to the U.S. Census, our population as a community passed 120,000. And so we're on this trajectory as we, 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 we thought we always would be is to grow our community, which means we have the ultimate responsibility not only to, to serve today, but to be looking for the future. And one of the things we did talk about, Chase and I did, was how could we bring a music venue? We don't have mountains and we don't have an ocean, okay? <laughs> so what opportunities are there? And we've got some great things coming for our youth sports because on our next bond package in 2026, there are going to be some recommendations to the voters that they can consider that are going to even make the facilities we have now, which are top-notch, just spectacular, to actually bring more more tournaments into this community. Well, and I know to not to cut you off there, but the facility that we've got that we're about to finish right down the road here from on the on this campus of the high school, the Broken Arrow Student Event Center, that's something that, that they plan to host some some really big wrestling tournaments, youth wrestling tournaments and things like that. So that's that's gonna be a great additional aspect of that venue as well. It is. Uh, with regret with respect to the outdoor venue our relationship with Notes Live, which is is the company that's actually going to be building the venue, it started about two, two and a half years ago when they approached Jennifer Rush. And I'm glad that you gave a shout out to, to Jennifer Roslin because I was going to. She's our economic development director. And they approached her, Notes Live did, about their concept, which is known as a boot ball, excuse me, boot barn hall and Bourbon Brothers restaurant, which is an indoor venue that probably seats maybe a thousand people. With a great barbecue restaurant, the, the sounds like something you see in Nashville. Ooh, exactly, yeah. uh, they've got a couple around the country, yeah. I understand, and hopefully we'll get a chance on maybe a next best best practice trip the city takes. Um, that to, if we could stop over and see one, we we certainly will. Um, they approached us. We couldn't make the deal work because of the amount of parking that they needed for the venue, because you have to plan for total capacity. Jennifer kept in contact uh, very regularly with the Notes Live folks. And we had heard that they were looking at bringing a venue 
uh, to the Tulsa market. Well, towards the end of July, early August of, of last year, they approached Jennifer and said, does Broken Arrow have a location that could accommodate the 12,000 at the, it was 12,000 at the time, uh, outdoor amphitheater. And so she called me and the first thing I said was, yes, the events park out there across from NSU. Uh, that actually in the master plan that was approved by the citizens committee and then by the city council to at 2008, 2010 timeframe included an amphitheater. I said, let's show them the property and see what they have to say. So J.R. Roth, uh, uh, Bob Mudd and a couple other folks came out there. We walked them on the property and then I left to go to another meeting and within a couple of days they came back and said we'd like to see a proposal for Broken Arrow and that's how it started. You know, We knew they were looking at the uh, the Tulsa market. They had already uh, basically picked a location. Uh, things had not fallen through and because of those issues we were blessed to have the opportunity to put a proposal together and we've just gone from there. So this is this has moved moved very quickly. Started early August, and then it culminated with an early October, the council approving the economic development agreement to allow us to go forward. So that you know basically means the potential plans of this happening were, you know, before necessarily the the Rosewood. You know, Rosewood's only been built for a few years. So that that was if we're going all the way back to two thousand eight. You know, Rosewood was not anywhere in the discussion, right? No, it wasn't actually that. The, the reason that happened was because of a partnership that the city had with the school district to actually swap land. Yeah, yeah, I remember hearing about that. We were at the superintendent time said we we need to make a change. We need a school out there. The city has land. School district had land, and it's been amazing opportunity and partnership because we we got Rosewood, which is an amazing facility. The city got land, which right now we're building Elam Park on okay. over there off of Florence, closer to to Olive, and so it, it was a true win win situation for both of us. And that school has been a tremendous addition, especially with the growth that is happening within the school district in the city as well as into Wagner County. So it's worked out for both of us. Well, Michael, I wanted to ask you uh, what residents can expect about property tax revenues as it relates to the TIF district and Notes Live Amphitheater. I would have to say, Chase, probably the number one question of all the questions we've gotten about this potential opportunity has been related to additional taxation. And I'm so glad that you asked that question. Because I spent a lot of time on social media, the city spent a lot of time on social media trying to address how this was folks were going to be affected by taxation. And I am pleased to say, as I've said a hundred times approximately in the last couple of months, is that there are no property taxes associated with the city's uh, uh, public uh, portion of the partnership that we have to implement. More specifically is, is that we've created a tax incremental financing district that is sales tax only to capture the sales tax that actually – uh, comes from folks that spend money within the TIF boundaries uh, to be able to help us pay for our investment, which is around twenty-five to thirty million dollars that we will have to spend to match the seventy to eighty million dollars of Notes Live to create this about a hundred million dollar partnership. So what's going to happen is that we know, based on our research and also in looking at the financials from Notes Live, is that there are going to be new businesses that are going to be built near the the venue. Uh, that could be convenience stores, that could be fast food restaurants, could be sit-down restaurants, could be hotels, etc. Well, they're all going to pay sales tax, and we're going to collect that sales tax for a period of time to help us repay re, uh, our investment. With regard to property taxes, any new property taxes that come from within the TIF boundaries are going to go to the taxing entities once they've been added to, to the uh, – been assessed and added to the tax rolls. So Broken Air Public Schools is going to see an increase in their sales tax, excuse me, sales tax as a result of 
this venue as well as all the other venues that are going to be built going forward once once construction starts, which is going to be a major win for the school district as well as the other taxing entities in Widener County because the facility is going to sit in Widener County to uh, to make sure that all those that are, and I don't know the list off the top of my head what those are besides the school district and the county itself, but I can tell you is that there's going to be a, a nice windfall coming from all of the improvements that are going to be happening. Well, I think that's huge for our district because we know that the, the property tax revenue allows us to build the quality facilities that our students get to enjoy on a day-to-day basis. So I, th- I love that we hear that that Notes Live is actually going to be uh, paying into that revenue source, and, and we're going to come out ahead on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can attest to that as well. I think it's also been advantageous that Lancelot, that uh, Mr. Spurgeon spoke to earlier, uh, Rosewood opened almost at capacity. As a matter of fact, last year we had to redistrict, um, which, you know, kind of bodes well for our, our district and the community. We know that Brocadero is a great place to live, work, and play, and prosper. Um, and we see that through the growth in, in, in that side of the city. And then also with regards to Alva Lorem taxes, our district re- receives funding by state, federal sources, local sources, including Alva Lorem. Right now, about 85 to 90 percent of all money that we receive goes to uh, pay our salaries, which leaves a very slim margin for operating costs day to day. So this is definitely going to be something that benefits the students, the district as a whole, and the community. That's very important to the council and myself, as well as Jennifer Rush, with regard to future developments, is that obviously, you know, with the state aid formula, you know, there is going to be growth. I don't know the exact how, how the formula works, but I do know that you know, you get, a, you get a facility like Notes Live and the venue and you get additional businesses and it's going to create additional property taxes, but that's going to be factored into the, the state aid formula. And so it's very important that we continue to grow the community because I don't believe you see, the school district receives all of the property taxes, you know, because of state aid formula. But the more we grow, the, the, the more valuable we are. It creates additional revenue to pay for, for those ongoing operations. And then secondly, it increases the value of the, of the property, which allows the school district and the city to be able to go to the voters periodically for ad- additional public improvements uh, that, that, that just can't simply pay for with the, with the money that you have as pay as you go or the day-to-day operation. So it is a win-win, Rosalind. I'm glad that you brought that up. You mentioned additional potential development in that area. I'm assuming that that's something that you guys are already starting to hear from these these businesses and whatnot about, hey, we want to you know, see what land's available in that area. Is that something you can talk about? I know not specifics necessarily, but I'm assuming that's that's probably going to be a, a hot issue coming soon. No, oh, absolutely. I mean, Chase was at the public forum. Yeah. I'm so happy he was there. Obviously, I made the comment earlier, and I did at the meeting, is that of those 115, 120 people that were at the public forum on January 9th, not all of them were citizens. Yeah. It was probably 80, 80, 85% of the citizens that were there, those that were there that live in the area. Then we had some citizens from other other parts of town that were just interested in this project. And then there were interested parties. There were a number of people in the audience that actually own land in the area. And there were at least two that I remember, site selectors, real estate brokers that had interest. So I, I Greg, I can tell you is that I believe that there there's a handful of properties in the area that have potential for development. And so we're looking at those properties. We're looking at the zoning on those properties. Uh, Jennifer Rush has already had many conversations with folks that are that are interested in, and obviously they want to make sure that everything's going forward before they actually look at purchasing a land. There, there may be options on land that we don't know about right now, but we've actually gone out and looked at a number of uh, 
venues where there that are outdoor amphitheaters. In fact, there's there's a there's one that's very near here that probably sometime in the next couple of months, Kathleen, my wife and I, Kathleen, are going to go down and take a look at because I've seen it a couple of times. Is that Rogers, the Walmart app, the, yeah. the Walmart app. It's a good one. I've been by it and looked at it and thought it was amazing, but I didn't look at it from the perspective of all the businesses yeah. that were around it. Well, and, the, and that area got developed quite a bit before the venue went in. I can My brother went to the University of Arkansas, and I can remember them building that mall and all that area there. So they kind of did it in a different way. But the way, in fact, it always, when I've gone there, it always surprises me how, you know, how good of a job they did you know, putting that there and making it work. And it's just, it's an incredible venue. It's just, it's, it hits a lot of those boxes. I know that they're looking to hit with this one. Well, that's what we're hoping to yeah. do. I'd, I'd just like to get a, um, an eyeball, so to yeah. speak, to see what kind of restaurants are around there, hotels and so forth. And then we're actually going to start, we will start recruiting. In fact, that recruiting uh, coincidentally is going to start next week when Jennifer Rush, our economic development director and Norm Stevens, the assistant city manager, of administration are going to the what is called ICSC International International Council uh, Shopping Centers. It's a, probably the second or third largest one they have each year. There's one in Dallas, one in Chicago, and then there's one in Las Vegas. That's where all the site selectors uh, for just about every major business that does retail commercial in the country attend these. And you give them uh, documentation, you give them proposals, you give them information about your community. And one of the key focuses this year is going to be on the, the property near the amphitheater because obviously, you know, you know, companies do internal marketing and uh, ratios about return on investment and before they make their final decisions. And when they find out that you're going to have between 45 and 60 times a year between April and October events where there's going to be potentially 12,500 people, they'll start doing their their models to determine if they can support an investment. And so we're going to try to get ahead of it starting next week. Very cool. Uh, Chase, before we start recording, mm -hmm. you mentioned to me that there's a, a new announcement to this project that kind of adds to the the hype of it, so to speak. Why don't you talk about that? And then, Michael, you can jump in. Yeah. I mean, uh, when you're talking about a venue of the caliber of what Notes Live is bringing to our community, there's really uh, three uh, promoters that go in and, and promote these venues. Um, one of them, uh, I would like for Michael to make that announcement because it's exciting because it, it brings validity to the project and raises the bar of, of the kind of acts that we can expect to see at this venue. Well, I've learned because when I was in St. Charles, we had an indoor venue that we partnered with the county. Hadn't had that before in my career. And from that, for eight years, uh, I became somewhat of an expert in understanding that the success of a venue really relies upon its promoter. I mean, if you've got a great venue and you've got the, a great place to see a concert or to see a sporting event or whatever it is, that's great. If you don't have the connections in the industry, it's going to be extremely difficult to put people in those seats. And so the promoter is incredibly important. And Notes Live has announced that the promoter for uh, the, our venue here in Broken Arrow is going to be the number one uh, promoter in the world, which is, which is uh, Live Nation. Live Nation is recognized as – in fact, a lot of people have probably purchased tickets – you know, from them for for some of the events that they've been either here or around the country, uh, they're it. They're not. They're the top. They've done. I understand Super Bowls. They've some done the largest uh, other type of sporting events, concerts, and so what that means is is that two things really is uh, they have the resources to basically to cover the expenses for the the different events that are going to be there, which is very very important. And secondly, they have the stable as they call it of talent yeah. with that they've signed the artist to bring them to their venues. And so as Notes Live has said for, you know, basically five, six months now is, 
you just take the top 10 artists in the world and they're probably not going to be approachable or reachable because the size venues they need and then everybody else is 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 a potential uh, concert and so we're so no see, Taylor Swift, unfortunately. Uh, but. <laughs> I don't think we'll be seeing Travis any uh, Travis Kelsey anytime yeah. soon. Um, but I can tell you is that uh, besides Taylor, maybe the Rolling Stones. Hypothetically, I don't know if there's one of their. Uh, yeah, if you're not playing a if you're playing a stadium, you're kind of in your own league, right? Mm-hmm. But if yeah. you're doing arenas, you know, in the summer, the same bands that do arenas in the winter are doing amphitheaters pretty often. Well, I've been told by Notes Live is that. A lot of artists like to play outdoor amphitheaters, yeah. mm-hmm. and when they come to the air, come to an area, and Tulsa has a great market. Obviously, you know, no slides want to be here. Artists like to come to uh, different venues and change it up. Yeah, and so some of the artists that we've seen at the BOK, I think there's going to be some synergies there that are going going to have to work, and I'm sure that that uh, Live Nation will be working with those promoters to try not to double up on on their concerts because obviously there's only a finite amount of money that that concert goers have or or citizens have to be able to go to concerts and it'd be best to try to capture it all so i could see them trying to work to make sure that uh, they work out the appropriate schedule well and and i can attest and you guys can jump in here as well but tulsa's had a great music scene for a long time right you know with canes and formerly the brady theater now the tulsa theater when the bok bok center came that kind of changed the game and was we've been able to get some just incredibly large talent to come here but I've noticed there's there's a lot of potential bands that don't always like playing arenas or aren't quite big enough to sell out an arena in this area don't come here. And we're missing out on that kind of talent. And I think this kind of venue could really add a lot to that. I agree with that. I'm, I'm not an expert in the field of, of promotions. I know a little bit about it, when, but not certainly enough to say how they're going to do it. But I do know is that you know, you're not going to build the type of facility that, that um, Notes Live is actually building it with not getting the top promoter in the world to be able to make sure that they get the return on their investment that they're yeah. sinking. And so I'm excited about it. I'm going to learn more about it in the next month or so. And if I need to, we can come back and talk about it. You know, I'd like to have this opportunity because I know you reach such a large audience amongst the uh, the, the parents and the, within the school district and so forth, the teachers and the sports staff, is just give a further update about what's going on, about you know when we're going to start construction, how that's going, and just make sure everybody stays up to date because – it's going to happen sometime to, to probably in the early fall of 2025. We're going to, we're going to have a concert starting. Amazing. Uh, so tell, talk to us a little bit about, you know, the, you know, when these concerts are going to happen, you know, times of day, things like that, uh, times of year and kind of how that could affect Rosewood kind of clear up some of those issues. Sure. Um, we learned from notes live that the concert schedule or season is, is tentatively going to be between April and October, which are some really great months to hold concerts. Now, there was a lot of questions during the the uh, public forum or the informational meeting about, you know, holding concerts in the middle of summer, which I can talk about here in a few minutes. But that's going to be the time frame is going to be between April through October. Right now, what we understand is that the concerts are going to happen during the week on Thursday and Friday, and then there's going to be Saturday. And they believe those concerts are going to start on Thursday and Friday, somewhere around 7, 7.30, and then they'll probably start a little bit earlier in the day or in the evening on, on Saturdays. And so uh, that's not really shouldn't be too much of an effect uh, of Rosewood School District, excuse me, school, but I should say that obviously they've got to rehearse and they've, yeah. got, to, they've got to set up. And at the informational meeting, uh, Mr. Mudd talked about the fact that uh, rehearsals and you know sound tests were going to start around 2 o'clock. And there was a couple of uh, residents expressed a little bit of concern to that. Obviously, I have that same concern. 
And I do want to talk to the folks at Live Nation as well as Notes Live about you know how to address that. And I want to get the school district involved, get the principal or whoever uh, Superintendent Perry says we need to speak with to make sure that there's good coordination because I don't I don't know what happens at two o'clock in the afternoon other than the parents probably starting to get lined up to pick up their kids, uh, which they might enjoy if there's a sound <laughs> test. As you, we, we, we might about. it might make more people come early to pick right. up their kids right. just to sit out there and listen. But we will work with the school district and make sure that there's. Uh, hopefully no disruption from that two o'clock on. And he even even mentioned that if it was a need to, to move it back a little bit in order not to interfere, that's something that's certainly on the table. So I feel really good about uh, partnering on that. There also, obviously, when you're going to put uh, 12,500 uh, uh, patrons in an area for a given period of time, you know, what is that going to be? Well, I, I kind of look at it like it's the fact that's about the size of a, of a large high school football stadium. Yeah, very similar in terms of what our capacity is here mm-hmm. at Tiger Field. You, your challenge, is because I've been to many games, is obviously the parking. Yeah. And so the city's going to have to, to build enough parking to accommodate about 70% of the 12,500 because they anticipate about 30% of those folks that come will, will ride share, an Uber or Lyft or so forth. And so we're going to have some parking going on. The big, probably the biggest impact to the, to the school is going to be when we start construction. I mean, yeah. because I, as I mentioned to you all before we got started, is that we wanted to make sure this is a great experience. And I think most people have been to a concert, and, and probably one of the things they think about when they're going to go to the concert is how quickly they're going to get in, and more importantly, how quickly are they going to get out? Because we've all been stuck in, in concerts to where it could be a couple of hours or a baseball game in St. Louis. It's it's kind of tough if you're in one of the parking garages. I'm a Dodger fan, hours. which is notoriously one of the worst <laughs> traffic experiences you can experience as a fan. Well, we wanted to make it a great experience. And actually, Notes Live wants to empty the venue and the parking lot within 45 minutes to an hour. And so to do that, you can do it to one of two ways. You can do it through with, with uh, public improvements. Uh, infrastructure and traffic management. So you look at traffic management first because that's not as expensive to do that. That's personnel, that's cones, that's signage. In this case, in order to make sure people can get in and get out, ingress, egress, there's going to be a need for public improvements. So we're going to have to make improvements to New Orleans uh, near the the turnpike entrance. We're going to probably be making some modifications to the turnpike entrance uh, for those people that are leaving. And then we're going to make improvements to the entrance to the, the events park that's going to take probably about a year when you throw that throw that on top of the parking we have to do. And so for about a year, we're going to have to coordinate with the school district for the parents coming and picking their children up as well as the buses. But we'll work with the school district just like uh, Rosalind said that we've done on other, on other projects. I mean, right now with Albany, you know, we're just a few months away from Albany right out in front of the high school being done. That's been a challenge for every, everybody because it's an inconvenience. Uh, but the progress is going to be amazing yeah. once it's completed. So there's going to be some disruption during construction. And then there's going to be another road that's going to be built on the east side of Rosewood that will be a second form of ingress-egress into the park, into the concert venue. And we're working with the Oklahoma Department of Transportation. Right now, they're going to be realigning for those folks that drive on Highway 51 and know where Washington is or the entrance to Zico. Sometime that's the year, entrance that's currently blocked. Is that what you're talking about? Actually, if you're on Highway 51, where Zico is in Washington, they don't they don't line up correctly on the, well, I would say the north south side of the road. Mm-hmm. Um, the ODOT later this year is going to award a contract where they're going to reconfigure that intersection and put a traffic signal there. 
So the city's plan is to run a road up north to Washington on the east side of Rosewood to where folks that are bringing their kids in, because right now we close that gate. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Because it's not safe to cross that railroad track and for allow parents to try to turn left against Highway 51. Because if you look at Highway 51 and you drive it any time, I would say it's extremely dangerous right now to try to turn left. And I'm telling you, it's becoming as busy as Memorial is from the, the, the Creek Turnpike down to about 121st, in my opinion. It's busy all the time. And so I've kept that gate closed during the school year for the safety of the, of the parents bringing their kids in the buses. We will eventually close that crossing, the railroad crossing there, because we're going to put that new road in, which which will basically take everyone back up to Highway 51 at a, at a, at a traffic signal that will protect those people that are turning less and can control the traffic. We'd much safer for everyone. As Mr. Spurgeon mentioned in the collaborations with the city um, as the city liaison, I can say if the past is a prediction of the future and how they work with us, even with other events that we've had at the events park, whether it be the Scots Fest or the Kite Festival, um, they're extremely involved and it benefits us greatly. A couple of things with regards to the infrastructure improvements. Um, Rosewood is about 600 students. Half of those ride the bus and half of them are taken to school by their parents. And so those same improvements that we have with adding a road to the east, those same improvements to 101st and to the creek, all of those things will greatly benefit the ingress and egress for those parents as well. So we're excited about that continued partnership. Well, I want to assure the parents because there were some folks that were at the informational meeting that were asked them some questions about the impact in the school district. And I assured uh, Superintendent Perry before we made the announcement that obviously, you know, we don't have a lock on all good ideas, and we certainly don't know every single nuance or action step that needs to be done in order. I mean, how many times within your career do you get a chance to build an outdoor amphitheater? So, so <laughs> Probably I, once. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've tried to anticipate everything that I can as well as my staff about what we may need to do, but certainly the, the list, the to-do list is probably much longer. And so at some point we're going to have to sit down with the school district and we're going to have to talk about some of the concerns they have specifically. I don't think there's anything that we can overcome and work together on. And I want to make sure we involve everybody. Now, who we know the promoter is once they get signed, once they get on site, get the school district involved, get the city involved, get notes, lights, and then we just sit around and, okay, what do we need to make sure this is a great experience and to reduce the impact that it would have on the students to and going to and from school or during school? Chase, I know one of your your big roles within the, the school district is community partnerships. Talk a little bit about, why don't you guys both talk a little bit about how this could be a potential for some really interesting partnerships. Yeah, I mean, as, as soon as this was announced, uh, my mind started going to where we could involve our students. And I've already had conversations. I, I met with uh, Bob Mudd that night at the public forum to introduce myself and to uh, talk about uh, the idea of having students be involved in the amphitheater itself and the operation of it and understanding uh, if, if you have an interest in hospitality and leisure as a career path, uh, wouldn't that be awesome if our students are on site at the events and getting to see what that looks like at a world-class venue? And, and you talk about businesses that are coming to the area. I could see a hotel or a few hotels coming, and that just provides more opportunities for our students and pathways for for workforce and development. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Anytime we get a new business to town, that's exciting to get them involved in our district. And that's what I appreciate about Mr. Spurgeon here is his transparency uh, and his willingness to to get everybody at the table to make this a, a, a project that is uh, truly a partnership between all the entities. Well, and we've got a student right here that, that's got experience. Shout out to Braden over there, right? 
you know, experience producing a podcast, working at football stadiums. I can visualize, you know, the potential for some of our top notch AeroVision students, maybe helping out with sound or or video. You know, that could be a really cool idea. Well, to me, it starts with communication because I mentioned just a couple minutes ago, I don't have a lock on all the good ideas, but what I do know how to do is try to get everybody at the table that can bring something to the table. And especially when it's involving the school district. And if there's opportunities for, for our students to have, uh, direct access to something that's going to help them decide what they want to do with their career. And what better way than to have in a venue like this to be able to say there's 45 to 60 times a year, there could be events that there may be some opportunities for internships at the, ho- at the hotel idea. I mean, that's something that um, we had talked about just briefly, but I love that idea. And so I think it's, you know, there's so many opportunities where our students can come and learn about about the, the real world activities that go on to see if that's something they would like to do. And I can tell you is what, when I met with the new NSU president, uh, BA, Dr. Hanley, for the Tyre University, I should say, before I could finish the sentence to find out if they would partner with us on this project, it was yes. And he had just come to his position not probably two weeks earlier and he immediately recognized the the benefits of partnering with this for the same reason the school district is and what it could do for, for NSUBA. And so I want to send a shout out to him and his team for immediately jumping on. We have an agreement with them to use about a thousand of their parking spots for like several year period. And so that was a major, major um, accomplishment to have that partnership with them to use those spaces because that spaces we don't have to build, which would have been land we would have had to taken up that right now is currently being used. So that's going to be a major partner. I want to get NSU at the table well because that's their world. This is your world. How can we – I want to hear from from everybody in the school districts about how they think that we could do this. And then my job will be to go make it happen to help the promoter and help Notes Live understand how if we we bring the school district and the university in, that it's going to be a much better experience for everybody. And I'm assuming, obviously, they've got a lot less parking spots, but I'm assuming potentially the Rosewood parking lot could be used for parking as well on concert nights. Or I could be wrong there. Actually, it's been thought about, but I haven't approached the superintendent about gotcha. it yet because right now we believe between what NSU has and the spaces that are there, we're still going to have to build over 3,000 spaces. All of those essentially are going to be built on the 41 acres that we purchased. So I'm hoping to not have to approach the school district right now about the possibility, but that's something that's, that has been considered uh, because I just think that you could know, be a good you know PTA fundraiser type thing and, and whatnot. As we all know, there's no such thing as free parking. <laughs> well, we, we thought about it, but I haven't approached anybody yet yeah. because and, and the exact same thing was mentioned by Jennifer Rush. I mean, that could be an opportunity for the school district or or the or the uh, the, the PTO PTA to be able to, to do that. We just haven't approached it yet. But but as we start to build those spaces, once again, I don't want to be making any decision unilaterally. But it could be something we talk about. So before we kind of wrap this up, let's talk, a, you know, do you have any final thoughts or things we didn't mention about this project that you that we missed that you want to talk about? I would just have to say something along the lines of what Chase and I talked about, you know, five, six years ago, is this has the potential to be transformative not only to the city, that portion of the city specifically, but the entire region because you're going to be bringing, bringing people into into the community. And it's the city's responsibility to try to make sure that it's a great experience getting in and getting out, not just seeing the concerts, and also to to put a lot of thought in about the planning that goes in to those businesses that are eventually going to be built in that area. And we're working really hard now to make sure this is a great experience. Secondly, is that, as we know, parts of our town have not grown as quickly 
as other parts that they have just simply by traffic counts and so forth. The traffic counts on uh, the Creek Turnpike just in the last two or three years have gone from nine or 10,000 to probably 20,000, the number of homes. That's why you're seeing the Aspen Ridge Project take off. And so there's potential for tremendous opportunity, not just right by the venue, but if you think about where where Olive is, if you think about where Aspen and, and Elm Place are, it's just a few minutes from the venue. Mm-hmm. So I think this is going to cause the southern part of our community where there's been a lot of clamoring, rightly so, over the last six or seven years about the potential growth. I think you're going to, it's going to be, this might be the the impetus to start some additional growth happening down there that, that the residents would like to see to have equal access. And I think it's going to be great for the city in, in the sense that we have a lot of folks in the, in the south part of a community that because of convenience go over onto Memorial and other communities and spend their dollars. Yep. And I think this is going to give them them opportunity to keep their dollars local, which helps the city provide the revenue needed to provide great services. And so I like to just come back and keep everybody posted on what's going on because I just think that this is going to be a really, really awesome thing for our community and the region. Very cool. You mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, just how good your relationship is with Mr. Perry and the school district since he took over. And you also touched on uh, the Elon Park, right? And, and the potential, I know we've talked about it on this podcast before, but here with a recent bond issue that there's a possibility the the pool from the 2015 bond issue could end up there. Is there anything else you want to talk about with that? And you, you feel free to jump in as well. Yeah, absolutely. The Aquatic Center, we are so thankful to our patrons um, for voting uh, the, the latest bond passage. We have an excellent opportunity to look at how we may be able to collaborate right now. Um, it, it, doesn't box us into just Kirkland, right? We yeah. can look at um, partnering with the city, making a place for the community. And so we're excited about having those future communications and ongoing communications that we've already been uh, established in and, and locked into to see what we can do in the future. Well, let me bring something up. You know, as I mentioned before we got started, I always try to start at 37,000 feet and work my way down. And so we had this little thing happen a couple of years called the COVID. <laughs> and one thing that it did was it, it caused a lot of citizens in our community start paying a lot more attention to what's going on that may not have been, which I think is, is in many ways overall has been a real, real benefit to to our community. So we had two things that have happened last year that I was really watching. The first one was when the city renewed its franchise with PSO for 25 years, and we had included in a slight increase in the charge to create a, a specific fund for economic development opportunities, and it passed by 68%. And obviously, I mean, that was a tremendous win for the city because there's always about 25 to 30 percent of folks that just are never going to support any any type of tax increase, no matter what it is. And to get 68 percent out of possibly 70 or 75 is, is pretty amazing. So people are paying attention. Then you roll into November and you have your propositions and three of them get over 80 percent, about 82 percent or so. And one gets about 78 percent. And the amazing campaign that you all did to educate the voters about, first and foremost, no new taxes, and then you, you, you went out and you promoted why we needed this. People people paid attention and they appreciated that. And so I'm, I'm watching these things that are going on because people are paying a lot more attention today than they did five years, which really challenges the school district and the city, from my perspective, to be even more communicative about what we do, to be more transparent, because the trust that exists overall in our community is very, very high for the school district and the city, from my perspective. And you have to you have to work to maintain that. You got to work to keep it. You got to grow it. And you do that by telling people everything you can about what's going on. So they don't and I'm not trying to put any coffee shop or any or any uh, hair salon or nail salon 
gone out of business but gossip, okay? But I want to be the person, just like I know the school district does, superintendent. Here's what's going on in the school district. Here's what's going on in the city so you know what's happening in our community. And we do that, and we work very hard to, to do that. And I would tell you that between the two of us, we're probably two of the most transparent organizations and, yeah. and, and combination yes. That I've yeah, ever, if, ever been. A if you're part following of. the city of Broken Arrow social media and Broken Arrow public school social mm-hmm. media, and you don't know what's going on, you're not paying attention. Yeah. Paying attention, <laughs> it is. Yeah. It, it's true. And then we've got other forms. I mean, you know, basically the uh, the entity that I'm not going to say because I don't know if I can say it. Chase can if he wants to. But we've got so much um, online information that they work really hard. He works really hard to make sure people know what's going on between the city. Um, I'm just excited about what's happening and, and the relationship. And I want everybody to know is that we work very hard. And, and Ch- I met Chuck eight years ago, a little over eight years ago, and we worked very closely with him uh, since since before he was the superintendent. And his heart is all broken arrow, just like just like Rosalind said. And, and so uh, that that inspires me is that when I see people like Kenny Schwab and, and Chuck Perry that have been here pretty much their whole professional careers in some way, that all they want is what's best for the city. And they, that's their total motivation. And that's my motivation, which motivates me even more to do better. And so I think it's important that the public know is that we have a great relationship with the school district. Uh, Steve Allen, I have lunch with Steve Allen and Superintendent Perry probably about once a quarter. I talk to the other board members. Uh, Brandy Roulette, I spend a lot of time with her when I get the opportunity. I know the other ones uh, somewhat well, but I can tell you that what their heart is and trying to do what's best for the kids and the city council. We get together and we talk a lot about what's going on. And I tell you, Chuck has a great, he's got two members here, three, actually three, all three of his leadership team. And I can tell you the, the interactions that go on with other members is top notch. And we're talking about problems during snow removal operations and ice removal operations. Uh, day to day, I know Rosalind stays on top of the development that's happening within the community. She can go back and report, hey, this development got approved. Here's what the potential impact is going to be on, on the school district. I'm getting ready to start uh, my team, put it together to look at the next bond package. And I'm going to ask the superintendent. He already said yes. He may assign one of either Chase or Rosalind to be a part of it because when we look at this package, I mean, obviously there could be potential impacts for future, current schools, schools or future schools that we need to look at that I need to ask the voters that's something they would consider. And so it's just a partnership that works. And it's one of the best that I've ever been a part of in my career. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Chase, any final questions or thoughts for Mr. Spurgeon? Well, I just appreciate that partnership. I've lived in other parts of the country, and it's just not existent in other parts of the country. And and something that is created organically by our residents, because that's what they want, and, and they demand the transparency, and you provide it. Uh, as, well, as we said, if you don't know what's going on, you're not paying attention. Um, and it's just exciting to see what's happening and to be a part of that and to have the opportunity to be a part of it has been uh, remarkable. And uh, you mentioned the uh, Rogers, Arkansas and, and the venue there. I, I think when you talk about economic development, uh, every day people leave our community to go to other venues because we don't provide those opportunities. And this is going to be a chance to bring people from outside of our city into our city, uh, supporting our city services. And so, um, uh, you know, it just helps all organizations. I know one thing that I'm really hoping to see is when when the first band plays the first concert there, that they do not say, hello, Tulsa, or what. Right. <laughs> I want, we want to make sure that they address it as Broken Arrow. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that wouldn't go over very well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I made a comment um, respectfully at the in- informational meeting because there were some references made. And I've always said this, you can't be a suburb of nothing. And so I'm, yeah. I'm a regional person. And will continue to be regional because I do think that the rising tide floats all boats, as you've heard when it comes to economic development. I mentioned our population crossing 120,000. 
because it's important to everybody know is our committee is growing. And I believe the reason why it's growing and the reason why people are coming here is because of the quality of life and the school district and the education that kids can get here is one of the reasons why people want to be a part of this committee. Secondly, is because of the hometown feel that exists here, and we're a safe city. And so what I like about what's happening in, in Broken Arrow is that we are growing, becoming a larger city, with, but maintain that small town feel, and we're doing it organically. We are, we are make, people are making value judgments to come here based on what it's like to live here, the quality of life that exists in here, being safe, events, school district. All, all those things that go into the ingredients and make a great city, we're doing that organically and making sure that this is a place people want to come to. And you can see it because we're growing. And at the same time as we're, we're not giving up that, that small town values that we have with the, keeping sure that we have to keep our main street as the, as the hub of, of the wheel and looking at other areas like New Orleans Square. We're going, to re, we're going to restart that committee here in the next couple of months because I think there's more opportunities for development. And the school district has been a part of that. And they're going to, I believe they'll continue to be a part of that and provide good guidance and good, good help with make good uh, recommendations for the public policy decisions the council has to make. Well, I've grown up here and obviously a resident here, and I can tell you that the private sector is loving Broken Arrow right now. It's exciting. Yes, it is. All right. Last thing I'm going to have you comment on before before we let you go, and this wasn't something I let you prepared for, so (laughs) who, and, and I want you guys to jump in as well, give me one or two bands or artists that are, that are on your list that you would like to see come here one day. We'll start with you. Uh, that's real easy. Duran Duran and Nickelback. Interesting. I mean, Interesting. I, I saw Duran Duran last summer for my birthday, and I've seen Nickelback a couple of times. I think they, they came to Tulsa not too long ago, didn't they? They did, and they have an amazing show. But if I had to pick two that I would – and I look at them, would I go see them more than once? Yeah. And I grew up with Duran Duran, and, and I just absolutely love the concerts. And so those are probably my top two. Rosalind, what about you? I would say Journey and – Kirk Franklin. I went to a concert at Kirk Franklin's recently, and it was really good to have that outside. Uh, would just be awesome. And who doesn't like Journey? Very cool. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, Taylor Swift's out, right? Okay. <laughs> we, we've rolled yeah. her out. Um, no, I, I'd say some a group like uh, Arctic Monkeys, The Weeknd, uh, Muse, I think would really uh, be great for that yeah. venue. I'd probably have to go, and both of these I've seen a ton of times, but uh, I'd probably have to go with the Foo Fighters. I know that they yeah. recently came to Rogers not too long ago, which I was kind of surprised because they typically play arenas and stadiums and larger venues. So to get somebody of their caliber would be huge. And then I'm a huge Brandy Carlisle fan. She's an artist who used to come to Tulsa pretty often, but when she was playing Canes and some of those smaller venues, but now she's selling out Madison Square Garden and things like that and other parts of the country but she doesn't really have the following to come to the BOK and sell that out here. So I'm hoping that a venue like this can draw some of those similar types of artists. Well, awesome. it's been talked about a lot in this project that, that Notes Live is building multiple venues right now. Yeah. And one of the things that they want to do is route these concerts through their venues, obviously. But if you want to know what, uh, what to expect, uh, to look at what's, what's at Red Rocks and to go look at their tour schedule, because that's going to be pretty comparable yeah. to what comes here. And I, I've been to Red Rocks, and that's that's a venue that's that's hard to beat. It doesn't have the amenities and the things that we're talking about that we want to have here, just because it's just an. Have any of you ever been yes, to Red Rocks? Rocks just yes. that's a once in a lifetime thing, right there. But all right, well, that's all the have all the time we have for today's episode. We'd like to thank Michael Spurgeon for joining us, Rosalind Van Jackson, and Chase. I think you're going to start joining me here a little bit more often sometimes. I don't know if you knew that or not, but uh, <laughs> thank you all for being here and being on this episode of Core Values. Mr. Perry will likely be back next time. So thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.